welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. From now until September 15th, we are encouraging members to register to Paint It Forward as a way to give back to their local community. You can register individually or as a group on our website. Look for Paint It Forward under the Events tab to register. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. This week in Minnesota, we've had 82, we've had 85, we've had sunny, we've had blustery, and today... It goes into the 60s, and it's been drizzling and dreary and rainy all day. Perfect, perfect weather to talk about fall deck staining or staining your outside projects and all these considerations, um, you know, as we go into the fall, especially when we get to the upper portion of the country, especially the upper Midwest. It is absolutely critical that we uh, that we have a standard operating procedure for finishing decks and that we know what considerations change and what variables change as we move into the fall versus the middle of the summer when we can kind of just, it's hot, it's windy, it's blustery. Outdoor wood projects will uh, um, uh, dry out really quickly in the fall. Crazy considerations because yesterday, 86, today in the 60s and raining. So this is going to be absolutely awesome today. So, all right, everybody, I'm already seeing the comments um, come in here. I got a few bits of housekeeping uh, to go through, and then we're going to get in it. So I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. Sorry, this one. (laughs) I am uh, uh, the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live, which is also a live social media show about the life of an entrepreneur, uh, a master craftsman, and all the interplays, all the things that I'm interested in and that most of us are interested in. So um, this show has been going on for almost six years now. It's a weekly show. I have not missed a week in those six years, and it has connected me. I'm already seeing names I know and love coming through with the comments on the show. It connects me with all of you people, and it is absolutely awesome. So (coughs) special Friday night show. I wanted to make sure that I connected with you guys uh, for this in one of the evenings. Um, when I do my deck or exterior shows, I like to go outside. I like to fire up our chemical machine, a pressure washer, get our deck samples out. But it has been a miserable, cold, and raining day. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go grab my uh, my sample boards. I take old gray uh, deck boards like this. This is what we test our deck stains and prep process on. And we go out there and we get after it and uh, and we do that. So uh, I presented or I created a presentation for you guys today. And of course, we can talk about anything you want to talk about this topic that you want anything else as well too. So I personally want to thank uh, our friends at Cabot. Uh, again, people do these awesome things where they task me. They say, Nick, show us the products that you know, that you use, and then apply them to your SOP and just show people how that all works like that. Because you guys know uh, that uh, exactly what you're going to get here. And of course, if you want any of my SOPs, you can just email me, nick at nickslavic.com. And then, uh, yeah, I'll give those to you. So we are going to use uh, Cabot products to showcase uh, the prep process, the staining process, and a lot of the very particular things that I've learned in 30 years of staining decks, especially in the upper Midwest, uh, as we go through here. So um, last bit of housekeeping, we have master's classes, pro shows, business building expos galore coming up here. I put the next two in the show notes. I would urge you guys to make it to my next master's class in Southern California at the surf prep facility. You guys love these people. Uh, The Feria family uh, is at the helm of surf prep. They're some of the kindest, most knowledgeable people. Uh, Sandpaper nuts. 
They love sandpaper more than anybody I've ever met in my life. They love their sanders. They love their people. Uh, I have never met another family in this industry that just exudes the love of the craft and the people and business. And it's just infectious when I'm around them. So I'm really looking forward to going to Southern California. And if you will join me in Southern California, link in the show notes here, you will actually get to meet my family. I am bringing my entire family down. That's how important the surf prep family is to me. I'm bringing my family down to, to spend some time with them um, that week. So you can meet all my people, all the little Slavics, uh, Toots, my wife, all my kids and everything. Uh, and then I also put a link to a two-day very special uh, event in Tennessee. Now, there are plenty more. I just put up the first couple two. We're circling around a whole bunch. We actually just had an email uh, in the last couple of days about another uh, master's class in Ohio uh, in early December. So it is going to be wild. I'm going to be traveling all over the place connecting with you guys for these things. So, all right, without further ado, let's start talking about staining decks, prepping decks, but with through the lens of fall, through the lens of fall. What changes here? So in the uh, in the upper Midwest and most of the other um, um, country, most of the other parts of the country, um, you get a lot of uh, forgivability when we stain decks. It's hot, it's windy. If you pressure wash a deck, sometimes even the next day, uh, if you use a digital moisture meter, you can find out that um, it's below uh, the 15% moisture, so you can start staining it. This time of year, you can go weeks here uh, and, and the moisture will not dissipate. So. A uh, perfect example is today, like I was saying, it's in the 60s. It actually got colder as the day went on. It started the day at about 68 or 70 when I woke up early morning, which is like Florida weather. And it's just steadily gone down and drizzly and rainy and dreary. Now, if we were to if we were to have another day like this Saturday, which we may, there's a very good chance that if we washed a deck yesterday, it was dreary and cold all day today. That deck is only going to get wetter today. Tomorrow, if it's not dry and sunny and windy, that deck could maintain that moisture. Sunday, even if we have a nice day, let's say it's in the 70s and it's breezy and it's sunny, it still may not be ready for staining Monday. And then all of a sudden, what happens if it rains Monday? Then you start that clock over and you can see how this is like a downward death spiral of giving it multiple days. It's cool. There's due till noon and things like that. So I'm going to use my SOP. You guys can ask, uh, answer, ask any questions you want about it. I'm going to do a screen share for you guys. And then I'm going to highlight some of the uh, products I use, uh, not only in prep, but in, uh, in the staining process as well too. So, all right, folks, um, let's see if we got any questions before we go on. Anthony Cade, my good friend, he's going to be in Southern California. I, I, I agree too there. Uh, uh, Nick, nice. Will we get to see Surfer Boy? Yes, you will. Surfer Boy will be intact and with us uh, in Southern California. Jesse McCandless. Oh, no, Jesse, of all times, right when I'm finishing a deck. Nice, man. Uh, you'll uh, you'll have to post some pictures in the feed uh, when you're done there. Jesse, have a nice show. I'll be watching later. Yeah, you get that deck done, man. It's Friday night. It's almost family time. Uh, knock that thing out and go home to your family. Ah, here we go. Ask a painter on a Friday. Uh, cheers to the most inspirational leader. 60 grit onyx painting. Oh, Cristobal, I love it, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Friday, ask a painter live. Great end of the week. Listen, I agree, man. I agree. Uh, and then Jesse Allen, surf prep sanding his family. Absolutely. Okay, folks. Ask Painter Live number 328. This is the 328th live show. Uh, that's 328 weeks I've been broadcasting this thing, and uh, I appreciate everybody watching here. Uh, right now, for everybody, the kindest thing you could do for me as a personal favor would be to share. Just share this show. That's all I ask. Uh, you, it's likely if you're watching this, you already like 
follow uh, Ask a Painter Live, Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company, and my standard personal page, Nick Slavic, which a lot of this stuff comes through. But really, folks, we got to get more people like Jesse, like Cristobal, like Anthony. So just share it, folks. And as somebody else will see it, and then that'll share and we'll grow our beautiful little network of friends and master crafts people and entrepreneurs. So, okay. Fall considerations. Uh, so I like this because I do multiple deck shows per year and I love running it through different filters of the spring, the summer, the fall, prep for the spring, things like that. So, um, do, 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 do. hi Nick, uh, who do you reach out to find work from in your first few years of getting company off the ground and staying busy? Michael uh, Ergenreiter, uh, email me nick at nickslavic.com or DM me through Facebook and I can personally assist you. So, all right, Ask a Painter Live 328, uh, my deck standard operating procedure and the fall staining considerations. So, okay. There we go. That beautiful, this is actually, uh, we had a historic home and I put a deck on the back and this is actually a picture of that uh, deck. And that is coated lovingly with oil uh, at least once a year all the time because I love those nice tight beads of water. So a lot of times we'll show clients what the ideal maintenance regimen is. If you follow the technical data sheets and the maintenance regimen, that's what it'll get you. We all know this from being master craftspeople and business owners. Our clients don't normally stain their decks every year. It's a big undertaking and uh, they, it usually does not look like this. So step one in my standard operating procedure is uh, is actually part of a crew thing. So there's an interplay of crew and craft here. So uh, there's a greeting and a verification of the scope. So when the, when a crew gets on site, they will actually seek out the client if the client's there and walk through the project with them. Client may have some questions, we'll relay them to the team. If there's no client there, um, the, the crew leader will physically go and make sure that the deck that he's uh, staining, she's staining, looks like the one in the Google Drive where our estimators took a bunch of pictures and uploaded them uh, for a scope verification. Uh, they'll walk around and make sure that the stain, the color, everything matches. If anything looks out of place, we have a team on Slack ready to assist them. But otherwise, it's more of like you show up and make sure that this is the deck we're staining, this is the stain we use, this is the process. If everything looks golden, we proceed. Then we create a project plan. This is something our company is known for. So I love beautiful, simple accountability. And one of the things that we do is we practice active leadership and active planning in my company. So at the start of every day, uh, by eight o'clock, every crew must post a plan for the day and then through the end to the uh, through the end of the project. And a lot of the time what we do is really cool. We've actually taken a step back in tech. We used to do this electronically through spreadsheets and things. Now we do floor paper, floor paper management, which is we take a piece of that uh, floor paper, that tan floor paper, cut it off, tape it to the wall and actually physically write out the plan uh, for the day and the week. It's super effective. And then they post it to our Slack thread so that uh, they have a plan to get that project under budget and get that deck ready back for the client. Before pictures, this is very important with decks. Uh, people take this for granted. This is an absolute essential step. Our estimator will grab pictures uh, of the house and the deck and the area uh, during the estimating process, but sometimes that's not enough. We have our crew leaders zone in really close to the house and look at that vinyl siding, look at that hardy board siding and see if there's old existing stain splatter, if there's a damage done, things like that. Because we don't want to be blamed for it. We just want to keep the client honest if that's the case. I mean, if we get a drip of stain on something, we want to be held accountable and we want to take care of it. But we also don't want to get blamed for stuff that's not ours. So sometimes it's a, a CYA sort of thing where um, there was one house that we used for, for an example here where uh, 
we were staining the deck the same color with a solid color acrylic, uh, like the Cabot stuff I'll show you later. And there was a stain all over the landscaping, this bright cream colored stain all over the place. So we took copious uh, 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 images of it and things like that because we were going to stain the deck the same color. And at, after it's done, we couldn't prove that that particular drop wasn't ours and it was somebody else's. So we really took those great before and afters to say, listen, there's some existing stuff here. We're going to use all the canvas and plastic, but we just want you to know, client, that we have documented it. We just don't want to be held liable for something that we didn't do. We're going to take good care of you and we're going to keep it clean. Setting up a shop. This is awesome. So you guys know everything we do is in these totes and uh, we take a series of totes and we put them out near the deck. I usually like to do it under a shade tree. It's nice and quiet and calm and cool there. Uh, and then, uh, then we set up a nice little area kind of close to the work area, but also we don't want it like right under the deck where there's going to be sanding dust and stain could possibly drip, uh, things like that. And uh, yeah, it sets you up for success. Step number six, move the client's personal item. So this is one unique thing that we do um, that a lot of painters have a question about. So we move all the client's stuff off the deck for free if they haven't, but we do not move it back on at the end of the project. Uh, project. Why, you might ask? Because the deck is wet and sticky and drying and curing, and we cannot put the stuff back on there because we can't walk on it. But most painters will, will push back on this and say, that's not fair. You should have the client move that stuff. And I will say, I agree. It's actually in our contract that um, you got to move your stuff off your deck. That's fine. The problem is they either don't move it in the right area or people get busy over the weekend. They enjoy the deck. They have a barbecue Sunday night. They go up to work and uh, they go to work Monday morning and they don't have time or they just forgot to take the stuff off. It honestly doesn't take that much time. So if we have, um, you know, a, a small grill, a table and chairs, an end table, a thing like that, we will move it. Obviously, if somebody has one of those like eight foot long Traeger smokers, it weighs a ton and we can't get it off the deck. We'll just be honest with the client and say we could move it into your house through the patio door or we can shuffle it around on the deck and stain underneath it. But we want to make sure that when we move this stuff off, we're happy to do it for free, but we're not going to make a special trip back to put it on. That seems like a very nice uh, handshake agreement for all that stuff. But also, you know, if we have elderly clients and we take a big old charcoal grill or a gas grill off the deck and they don't have the ability to get it back on, that's not helpful either. So it's a, it's a logistical thing that we work through with the clients to make sure that we can get it off, get it on. No big deal. Moving on. And of course, you can see the red highlighted here, not under the deck report. So what we don't want to do is move all the stuff under the deck and then power wash the deck and all that wood chaff and little bits of dirt and mildew and stuff go right on there. So, yeah, it's <laughs> you got to be careful of that, too. So now we, we cut trees and bushes back for access and safety. And uh, we are not uh, arborists. Uh, we we uh, prefer not to have to take down trees and bushes completely. All we want to do is sensibly manicure them to get them a couple feet away. Away from there so not only that wood can breathe it doesn't hold in moisture but we also have to get ladders and things in there for safety reasons so uh, jesse allen i see your question i will be there in just a second sir okay this is our little decision tree on deck prep process and this is where we start entering into some uh, specific products so there's a decision tree we use to decide what prep process uh, to use for decks and i love this part of being a craftsperson because there is some wild science behind power washing, soft washing, chemical stripping, chemical brightening, things like that. 
I have studied this stuff intently. I have studied the science as far as I can understand it for years and years and years. The difference between things that are acidic and alkaline and what they do to wood. Some brighten, some strip, some brighten and strip, some darken the wood, things like that. So we've developed a really simple system in my company where we take that whole world of chaos and chemistry and we turn it down into a basic decision tree of can we just wash and brighten this deck even if there's some leftover stuff there and give the client a good product. If not, if we know we cannot, then we need to strip off that coating. And there's two options for stripping. You can mechanically strip it, 60 grit, <laughs> um, 80 grit, things like that, and mechanical sanding and a lot of labor, or we can use a chemical. A chemical is going to be faster, but it's also a little more high risk because all of a sudden you got to do some very particular site protection and uh, you got to protect metal surfaces, the house, you got to protect plants and things like that. And uh, so you'll save in time, but you could potentially do some uh, damage to areas around there. But there's a really easy way between prep and soaking down the area landscaping and things like that. So any of the stripper doesn't get on there and harm it pretty easy. But if we don't need to strip it, we can go right to brightening. And uh, that's the next step here. So you can see that <clears throat> we, we made our own custom chemical cart we just call it the chemical cart. It's basically a weird modified soft washy uh, chemical application thing. We've done everything. We've used uh, garden pump sprayers. We've used pressure washers with downstream, um, but we really wanted a super efficient system to get a special safe diluted uh, brightener and stripper mix onto a deck. So we actually got a 12 volt pump uh, excuse me, a, not a 12 volt pump, a 120 volt pump, a thing that actually plugs into the house an extension cord. And you can see it, uh, there's in that bucket and in that tote right there, it actually connects to power washer things. You plug it into the house on the side there. And that 12 volt is a, is an on off kind of like reactive pump where it doesn't pump when you release the trigger. It does when you pull the trigger and we can absolutely soak uh, a really big size deck in a matter of five or 10 minutes. And that is the key to having either stripper or brightener working, it has to stay wet. So if you it's 96 degrees and you're on the south side and there's no shade and you apply some stripper or some brightener on there and it dries out immediately, that has stopped working. You need to keep it wet. So a lot of times what we'll do is on those hot days, we'll soak the deck down first with water, saturate that wood, and then apply the brightener to it like that and allow it to work. Because otherwise you throw that brightener on there, it either evaporates really quickly or it soaks in and doesn't have time to work. So keeping it wet is key. And sometimes we'll soak it multiple times to do that. Now um, with uh, with like the uh, Cabot makes two premixed products like that, uh, a stripper and a, um, um, and a brightener. They also make a wood cleaner as well too. I've used that, a very effective product. My go-tos are the stripper and then the brightener like that. Uh, the brightener is an oxalic acid base and uh, sometimes we dilute it, sometimes we go straight, things like that. I prefer to dilute it. I don't think you need, um, uh, uh, you're gonna use a ton of it and you don't need full strength a lot of the time. Uh, that stuff is very good and uh, a little go a long way as they say. So yeah, applying, applying the brightener. So if I can get this video to work here, Sometimes mer uh, merging all these um, worlds takes a little effort. Okay, so you can see uh, with our SOP, this is our uh, 120 volt pump. You can hear it work in there. We have, uh, this is a master craftsman, Alex, our most senior craftsperson. He's in the yellow fisherman bibs to keep him dry and safe. And he's applying that stripper. You can see uh, 
you can see that stripper or excuse me the brightener coming out of that stuff now we're using a pressure washing hose and wand but it's obviously not coming out at three four thousand psi it's very gentle it's just coming out uh very efficiently out of there but we still use all the same pressure washing stuff because you can switch it up through the pressure washer and just use the same wand and hose but we can we can soak this deck very quickly and uh, get that uh, uh, brightener working. Now, what you'll see here, this is a brand new deck, brand new cedar. And a lot of times people ask, well, great, it's brand new wood, just throw some stain on it. And that's almost the worst thing you can do. Um, we go through the same process. You can see that beautiful porch behind it there that's all brand new as well. We go through the same exact process for new wood as we do old wood, which is wash, brighten, and then sand. Uh, we want those pores to be open up on the wood. And a lot of times with new decks, it, when it gets run through the uh, wood mills, uh, the wood processing mills, they actually get something on it called mill glaze. When it goes through the machines, it actually burnishes the wood. So if you were to take a brand new piece of pressure treated pine or cedar and hold it up to the light like this, you'd actually see the shiny glaze on it. And that absolutely is the, um, that is the, sorry, I'll, I'll silence myself here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is um, the machines actually burnishing the wood and it closes the pores. We do not want those pores closed. So we wash and we sand to open those pores so that stain can get back down in there. And then, uh, depending on how the deck uh, how the deck works, sometimes you scrub it to, to kind of activate all the uh, powdery mildew and the uh, old fibers and dirt. And sometimes you don't. But you can see we've applied brightener to this deck. You can see how it's just soaking that brightener. It's just soaking in there and doing its work. Sometimes, like this deck, got a lot of embedded thick, black, So I want you guys to see this. We are using either a green tip or a yellow tip. This is probably a green tip. It's really fine on my computer. But we are not getting in there using pure 4,000 PSI to remove this stuff. The goal of this system is kind of like a modified soft wash. We want the chemicals to do most of the work and a pressure washer to just apply a ton of water and not a ton of pressure. So a pressure washer for us is just a more efficient way to whisk away um, the dead wood fibers um, and, uh, and the dirt and things like that. A lot of people will not use any chemicals and just go straight with a pressure washer and manhandle and physically push the stuff off. But you're going to do a lot of damage to the wood. And we want to preserve as much of the wood as we can. So you can see that beautiful cedar uh, underneath that one. It just does an amazing night and day difference, really. And it's such a simple process. Okay, and here's the fun. I, I love this time-lapse video here because this shows you me in the process after it's been uh, brightened. We've done some scrubbing in some areas, but this deck was so satisfying because they had used an organic oil on it, and an organic oil actually turns black very quickly, uh, whereas some of the modifieds or some of the uh, hybrids and synthetics uh, do not. But you can see how that stuff, it is so satisfying to just see that um, that old um, oil that's just blackened. It's an organic, so it just kind of molds and rots and things like that. The good thing is it did preserve the deck. It just looked really bad. So it was great to sort of like, yeah, get this stuff off of there. So yeah, fun to do that stuff. Man, that is satisfying to watch. <laughs> Love that. Okay. And then uh, one thing, this is a very minor thing, but it's very important, which is after we are done brightening and scrubbing and then rinsing the deck,
small detail, but very important because if you've ever tried to get that dried stuff off a barbecue grill cover or a lawn chair, it is hard. You almost have to rewash everything. So now this is cool. Data plus feelings. People always say, how long should you wait after you pressure wash uh, before you stain a deck to let it dry? And I will say, you don't have to guess. Go by the science. It could be five hours. It could be five days. It could be two weeks. Who knows? But if you use a digital uh, moisture reader like that, you can actually tell uh, when it's time to stain the deck. So we take multiple readings, usually top of the handrail, top of the floor, the flat horizontal areas, um, um, collect moisture more. Spindles will typically have a, a less moisture, will have less moisture uh, than the flat areas. But you can see in this image here, it's upside down because you typically read it pointing at you, but that's 13%. Anything 15% or less is okay to stain. Anything 15% is okay to stain. So you can see 13% here. What's really interesting is that in this bottom one, just for a joke one time, we had this shed that got hit by a sprinkler every day. And this old cedar siding was just kind of like super wet and uh, and almost like rotting in place. So I jabbed a moisture meter into it and it was like 38 or 39. And I was curious, like that's the highest reading I normally ever got on a structure like that. So I went over to a tree and I jabbed it into a living tree and it was 38 or 39. So this shed right here had as much moisture as a living tree that had water running through its capillaries like that. So I thought that was a really interesting data point. And then we sand. Once it's dry enough, you can start sanding. And one of the things that we do is, yes, we can we can strip by mechanical means a deck down to bare wood. But really what we want to do is if the wash is right and we've removed a lot of that old, old coating and uh, dead wood fibers and dirt, all we want to do is give it a light scuff sand to smooth out the wood. Because anytime we add a bunch of water to the deck, it's going to raise the grain of wood. And all we want to do is basically just like smooth it down, hand smooth. We're not polishing a piece of furniture. Uh, we just don't want furry wood in there. And so typically this is what we'll find here. Quick process. And we pay particular attention to tops of the handrails. Once and the, the deck, deck is washed, so give it a day or two to dry. We'll use we'll use back down. After we're done sanding, we'll use uh, leaf blowers, vacuums. You can see like the, the deck that's behind me in this image here. Typically, what we'll do is. Uh, It'll take two people, maybe an hour or two to sand something like that. It's just a buzz over the top here. Uh, certainly, if we want to strip all that stuff off there, it's going to take much longer. But we're very sensible, and we, we take a lot of time to set proper expectations uh, for that sort of thing. All right. Then we remove the dust. So this is a cool trick I picked up from a painter long ago. I, it was so long ago, I don't even remember who it was, but my gosh, an electric or a gas leaf blower is perfect, is perfect for this thing. You can see in this picture, uh, getting leaves off a deck, but it's perfect for getting that sanding dust off a deck. And not only is it, uh, is it fast, it is absolutely amazing for getting that dust off. It gets way more dust off than you ever could by brooming it off. And that's what we used to do. We used to take a, a push broom and just kind of like brush the deck off like that. That leaf blower gets it so clean. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and Jesse, Danilo, and Mark, uh, I'm getting to your, uh, I'll get to your question shortly here. We're almost done. So site prep. You can see here, uh, I'm a big fan of heavy canvas. It keeps heavy over the plants and, and stuff like that. In the picture on the left here, there's actually a shed under there. So we actually tucked an entire huge canvas over the shed like that. But site prep and protecting that site is very important to us. And then applying the coating. So we have a very exacting system, as you would imagine, a simple system for staining a deck. We usually work in pairs of two, one person. We do railing first and then floor and then stairs. 
We have one person on the outside of the railing, one person on the inside of the railing, and we work as a team and go around that railing, keeping a wet edge. As soon as that railing is done, then we take somewhere between two and five floorboards a piece and go across, just like a combine across there. Uh, we do that so we keep a wet edge and don't get any lap marks. 100% saturation and wet edge. These are simple concepts. They're no duh concepts, but they are so important. You can see master craftsperson Alex here. This particular deck, we were out in the sun, so he's actually taking one board across the entire way. Doesn't sound efficient, but it absolutely is if you're saturating the deck and you're not getting any lap marks back and forth. And you can see in this picture here, this is what 100% saturation looks like. You put on the stain as much as you possibly can till it's almost too much, and then you brush it out like that. One of the biggest mistakes that uh, either young apprentices make or homeowners make is they don't apply stain to saturation. You need as much stain as that wood can possibly hold, but no more. Yeah, so like uh, you can see in this one here, spindles first, floor second, and you can see uh, young craftsperson Eric here, uh, one of our college guys. Our, he's been with us for about five years now, comes back every summer. You can see how you methodically work through a floor like this and then give yourself one little path out, hop over that little rib, and then keep going like this. Obviously, the whole uh, cliche of don't paint yourself into a corner, this is exactly it. You don't want to stain yourself into a corner of a deck. All right, and then you go down the stairs. And we actually, as you would imagine, we have a very specific way to do this because uh, one of the things we ran into in the past is that two guys would be staining the floor, you'd get to the stairs, and then one guy would say, okay, I'm gonna go clean up and I'm gonna do the stairs. Well, the stairs took a few hours to do and the other guy ran out of work and was standing around. So what we do is we work in a pair where the first one that comes down does all the risers. So that is the board that goes up and down uh, as you go, like your toe would kick it as you walk up and down the stairs. Uh, up the stairs and the uh, the riser and then the tread is the flat part you actually step on so the first guy does the riser as he comes down allowing the second guy to actually kneel on the tread and that guy does the tread so basically you break the work up in half and you can work yourself as a team right down the stairs like that pretty cool system clean up a job site uh, this is critical too and i particularly talk about this because when we're using anything solvent based we have a metal can on site full of water and we dunk every rag every brush Everything that's um, combustible, that's touched a solvent, goes into that water so we don't start any fires. If you take a bunch of rags or brushes or things like that, ball it up and put it in a trash bag, it could spontaneously combust, and we're very careful uh, not to do that. And then obviously we want um, after pictures with the job closeout. We label our cans. We leave some stain for the client uh, and beautiful after pictures like that. You can see this is one of the more intricate projects we've done outside. It's simple. It's straightforward. But when you have that interplay of natural and white, very critical. You have to keep every surface clean and it's uh, it's just yeah hypercritical with all that stuff. Then we load gear in our vehicle. You can see the beautiful van we have here and then we move on. Coatings, particular coatings. So there is a whole world of coatings out there. I have a link to Cabot's website. You can peruse that stuff. There is a ton of stuff for you guys in there. Uh, for my company to simplify the selection of color and stain, we offer our clients three basic things, which is here's a transparent option, here's an option with color, and here's a solid option. It just takes that whole world of stuff and variables and stain samples and just boils it down to something effective. And we've been doing that for over a decade and it's worked really, really well. So I'm gonna show you some stuff that we use all the time, our bread and butter, but this is not all inclusive. There's lots of other stuff out there for you as well too. So the first main finish that we do is, is what we would call the natural finish. And this is our most common finish. It's our most requested finish. And um, up in Minnesota, we have lots of cedar decks. 
Uh, we don't use a lot of pressure treated pine up here. We do the cedar deck. It turns a little dark. It turns a little gray. So you can see this is that deck that I rinsed in that time lapse here. It turned black from the organic oil here. And this is after our light restoration process down to that beautiful blonde sort of pale wood. And then we apply a natural stain uh, to it like this. And it brings back that rich vibrancy. And when people say almost every request we get for a deck is I want it to look exactly like when it was brand new cedar. Now, most people will incorrectly spec a clear oil. A clear oil could end up doing this because there's no uh, pigments in there to impart that natural wood. Natural wood will bleach out and blonde out like this. And if you don't impart some very minuscule amount of, of wood tone to it, it can kind of like turn actually darker gray and things like that. So what we do to get this natural, excuse me, my cursor's right here. This is the blonde out wood. This is the natural. We will actually use either the wood tone deck and siding or the Australian timber oil. Those would be our two main selections for something like that. Uh, if a client specs a natural deck. Then we jump to semi-solid. Now there is one level uh, between that semi-transparent, uh, but up in Minnesota, um, the subtlety of that is sometimes lost in the decks and the maintenance. So we've actually found a great uh, product in the semi-solid, which does impart that color like you can get with semi-transparent, but it imparts a little more pigment to hide a lot of the flaws in some of the decks that are maybe 10, 20 years old and uh, starting to show its wear a little bit. But you can see moss covered, mildew covered, I mean, like lichen growing on this deck. And we lovingly restored it and gave it that bright, timbery, chocolatey wood tone. And it's just beautiful. And that stuff just penetrates in there and does such a good job for it. Same thing with fences too. So this is typical of what we get in Minnesota where there's some grayed out uh, either pine or cedar surface like this. We'll go through and brighten it chemically. And then we apply a coat of the semi-solid and a lot of people think incorrectly that a semi-solid uh, obscures all the grain and it does have more pigment than a semi-transparent and a transparent, but it definitely does not obscure the grain. You can see those subtleties and the wood tones and the grains and the knots and things like that. It just evens it out a little bit. And that's why I think it's a really nice product for our uh, stuff up here. And then we have the painted finish. When somebody says paint my deck, you never paint your deck. Do not paint your deck. Uh, um, Oil-based, water-based, standard house paint creates too much of a waterproof shell and uh, will actually turn into a, one of the worst peeling uh, instances you can find. Because if you think about it, a deck, especially like this deck, which is uh, on the ground, there's only about six inches of air movement underneath, no railing. But if you only take latex house paint and paint it over here, what you've done in essence is create a waterproof shell over the top bare wood underneath and you have the ground actively releasing moisture through humidity and other things into the air underneath so you're basically having this moisture trying to come through the deck it has nowhere to go and it creates a crazy crazy peeling situation that you may actually have to replace deck boards or the deck uh, to make it stop but you can see when somebody says they want a painted finish we use a solid color acrylic deck stain now there's solid color acrylic siding stain cabot also sells those things but the deck is more specifically made for a deck. Uh, and, in, and in our purposes, we do two coats and it imparts a tiny bit of shine to it like that for the water repellency. So it's more of a breathable product. It is more prone to fade than it is to peel. And you may think that's a bad thing unless you've ever encountered a peeling deck. I would much rather have all my stains fade because it's intact, it just needs to be refreshed versus peeling, which is now you have this crazy problem of scraping, sanding, you have bare wood, you have coated wood, high, low spots, things like that. Stains by their nature, especially solvent-based stains, are made to fade before they peel. 
paints are usually made to peel before they fade, just are not made to do that, but they usually end up peeling before they fade, stuff like that. Technical data sheets. Oh my God, you guys know that I am a nerd with this stuff. So we actually used to get a lot of callbacks on decks until we started using technical data sheets to set proper expectations. The reason we got callbacks on decks was not because we didn't do a good job, but because I was setting improper expectations a decade ago saying, we're going to give you the best deck finish. It's going to be beautiful. What the clients heard was, this is a 10-year finish. I did not say that, but they inferred it, and I didn't set a proper expectation. So we would actually get callbacks on decks saying, hey, it's been three, four years. Uh, I thought this was going to last forever. What's up? It's only been three or four years, and it needs to be recoded. And I was like, wait a second, three or four years? That's actually great. If your deck looks like this after three or four years, that's amazing. I mean, we go negative 40 uh, Fahrenheit in the summer. We go 100 degrees in, excuse me, negative 40 in the winter, 100 degrees in the summer, rain, snow, sleet, fog, all that other stuff. And I know as a master craftsperson, a transparent deck stain, you really should recoat every one to two years. With maybe a semi-solid, you're looking at the two to three. With a solid color, maybe two to four, two to five, somewhere in there. I knew that. I wasn't using those specific things like that. But once I started pulling up a technical data sheet, which I actually have cabots here for Australian Timber Oil, if you go under the maintenance section, I used to actually print these out and give them to the client because I would say, listen, if you do a transparent deck stain in Minnesota, you might have to recode every one to two years. And they were thinking I was just trying to sell them a maintenance coat or saying, oh, my, of course you're a painter. You want us to stain it all the time. And I would say, no, listen, coming from my experience, I can tell you that's true. But also here's a technical data sheet that the scientists at Cabot made for you. So under the uh, maintenance section, UV rays, sunlight, and moisture uh, are the wood's natural enemies. So minimize exposure, number one. Evaluate finish each spring and maintain as needed, which technically could mean every year. Finish durability depends upon weather, wear, and other local conditions, but finish typically lasts one to three years on decks and two to four years on siding and fences. That's it, folks. That is good info, and it's official So my experience jives with that. The technical data sheet jives with that. And once we started printing these technical data sheets out and either sending them to the client or showing them, no more callbacks on those deck expectations. Setting proper expectations is a monstrous, monstrous thing. So, all right, folks, let me go through a couple questions here. I got to wet the old whistle. I've been talking for a while. Oh, we had an awesome day. We took two uh, my two estimators out, and uh, we had a whole day of team building. We did six estimates together. We critiqued. Uh, we talked about the theory of uh, of estimating and sales, talking about the interplay of psychology and clients, and uh, it was an awesome, awesome day. So I'm still decompressing from that, uh, which is really cool. All right, let's see what we got for questions. Jesse Allen, I had to bust out the, the rainy day list today in Minnesota. Do you keep an interior short notice list for fall? Uh, started notifying our clients on Tuesday. What's your process for this? Jesse, you know I do. You know I do. So my two project managers and coordinators are amazing at uh, what we call rain day lists. Um, They specifically keep a list of bite-sized one-day partial day projects where if we do trigger a rain day like this, um, these clients have already previously been briefed that, hey, if we call within 12 to 24 hour notice, would you like the inside of your house painted in some way like that? But it's got to be on short notice. It's a rain day. 
if you say yes to that, we might be able to get to you weeks before we would otherwise. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, of course, like we're ready to go. If you can get to us sooner, great, no problem. So we have our rain day list and we do that. Now, Jesse, you're going to love this because we work a four day work week. Our painters were off today. Uh, some, some painters work some uh, uh, time today because of the weird Labor Day thing. But today... I love these weeks like this make me so happy because it's four days of just beautiful sun and then it's rainy on Friday and all our people are home anyway, uh, traditionally. So it's one of those things like, yeah, it's, but also you can say the same thing. What happens when it rains on a Monday and then it's nice the rest of the week, then you guys have your nice four days. So it's, it's a horse of peace, but it is kind of fun when we have a day like this. Uh, Danilo. Hey, Nick, uh, well-organized. It makes a difference. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate that. Mark Adams, good friend, Mark Adams. Uh, great topic. Our guys did not rinse the wood fibers and we had to spend and two hours painting, uh, going to make this required watch. Listen, man, <laughs> Mark knows he's been around the industry longer than I have. And, um, if you get wood fiber stuck to like, you know, let's just say some siding to be painted. You, it might only take you two hours to do that, uh, to repaint it. But if you get it on vinyl siding, you may like etched it. And then sometimes with old oxidized vinyl siding, if you go back and wash and scrub, you actually change the look of the siding and then you might have to replace siding. And then that side doesn't match that side. And you're just, it's this death spiral like that. So it's so simple to take 10 minutes and just rinse the house, but it's a, it's a very small step, a very important step. So Jesse Allen, the key to consistent color on decks is to make sure you stain everything same day and you sand the grain. Uh, we'll close back up and change the absorption rate. Oop, that my comment just uh, ticked down. Unintentional two-tone is no bueno. No bueno indeed. That is not a good thing. Follow the SOP. Do it quickly. Tie a nice ribbon around the project for the client. Todd Murphy, semi-solid looks good. What was the clear coat before the finish coat? Also, what kind of chemical treatments? Ah, uh, yes, Todd, you'll have to go back in the show. I actually showed uh, a lot of the um, uh, the stripper, the brightening, and the process there. So you'll just watch the show and rewind when it gets posted here, and all that stuff will be there. If you don't find what you're looking for, Todd, DM me or email me, nick at nickslavic.com, and I can send you those resources. Daniel, uh, Danielle Ryan Anderson. What is your technique for applying a semi-solid stain? We have found that it seems to leave brush marks, noticeable brush strokes in the finish. Yeah, so that's a sign that you're either using the wrong semi-solid or the surface is not porous yet. Uh, you might find brush strokes um, on new wood that isn't super porous. If you, if you, if, let me show you, I'm going to go back to the presentation if you get uh, an old fence like this, that's gray and like this, the problem is not brush marks because that stain penetrates so quickly. You can actually get blotching or uh, uh, patchiness uh, if you don't do it quick enough. That's that's not historically been my um, I've never actually experienced that with uh, with this semi solid stain on there. Same thing with a deck like this. Now, what you might run into is let's go back to this new deck. Sorry, right, we got to get back to. Yep. Oh, wait, there we go. Something like this. Let's see if there's another picture. Yeah, so static picture, new cedar, like this. If you don't open the pores enough yet uh, or, or good enough, that stain will just sit on top and the bristles will wipe it around. So what you really want to do is chemically brighten, let it dry, sand, and I, and I can guarantee you, you will not experience brush marks like that. You just got to get that stain to penetrate in there a little more. Uh, if you're also experiencing um, the uh, the brush strokes and stuff like that, you could also try spraying it on, but you got to be careful. If you put it on too heavy, you'll have to back brush it. You may run into the same thing like that as well, too. So, all right, let's see here. Make sure I didn't miss any comments. All right, folks, while I'm looking, oh, man. 
Thanks for watching, everybody. This is awesome. Uh, Friday night show. I feel guilty giving up a little family time, but also I didn't want to do the show Saturday morning because we got uh, like three uh, different events to do. We got a couple um, sports games for all my kids and we got birthday parties and we got all this. So I wanted a, a day to, to assist the family early in the morning. So it's kind of nice connecting with everybody evening. We get a different crowd sometimes. So, all right. <clears throat> Master's classes. Come see me in SoCal at the surf prep facility. You do not want to miss this. I I cannot impress upon you enough to go meet the surf prep family, uh, the Ferias who run surf prep. Come hang out with us. I think even the Kuipers from Nashville, which everybody knows and loves in the industry, they run an awesome painting company. They're going to be there too. It is going to be absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So uh, I would urge you to do that. I would also urge you to then go to Tennessee to actually the Kuipers home territory and see them as well. I have links for those two master's classes there. Um, and then after that, there's a whole bunch of other events. I'll just put the first two up here in the show. I'll be adding them as I need. But if you're sneaky, you can actually follow one of those links and it takes you to a page where all the other stuff is on the PCA website and uh, you can connect through there. So, all right, everybody, um, I appreciate all of you watching. Please, personal favor to me, just share the show. Just share it. It doesn't take anything. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't take any time. If you're watching now, share the show. I would be eternally grateful to connect to you and to more people like you. So you guys are awesome. It is now pizza night and it's uh, family time. I can hear a movie starting up. I think they're watching the new Thor movie in there. So I want to get out of painter's clothes and I want to go snuggle up with the family and have a good family time tonight. So, all right, everybody, thank you guys for watching. It means the world to me. Uh, do good stuff for your clients, do good stuff for your family and do good stuff for your business. And uh, we'll, we'll see you. We will see you uh, next week. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.